How's it going, everyone? It's time for another episode of your favorite Orange County Soccer Club podcast. Well, the only one, at least that we're aware of. And uh, yeah, we got some not so fun stuff to talk about today, but we're going to try and get through it. We'll try and keep it positive, at least as positive as we can. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. We are underway in the postseason, the first playoff game ever played in Orange County. It's a one-two, Godoy, he's found a great ball in, it bolts it, plenty of time, he smashes it off and doubles the visitors' lead, Thomas in of Olsen. Now Segbris sprinting forward on the counterattack, a little handsy there, crosses it, Pineda, the extra pass, Seaton finishes! It rolls down to his left and bearing aside. All taken care of by the Orange County keeper. We'll leave it for Aiden Quinn. He'll strike towards goal! And it's gone in! An equalizer! And a winner in second half stoppage time for Orange County! Off the left boot of Aiden Quinn! This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. The only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore soccer cast and on facebook at orange and black soccer cast how's it going orange county welcome to another episode of the orange and black soccer cast presented by roughneck scarves we are the first and only podcast dedicated to orange county soccer club its fans and supporters i am your host ray samora and i am with you each and every episode as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. And joining me as he does each and every episode since day one, we've got Dylan from County Line Coalition, if he's back at his seat. Uh, Dylan, how are you doing? I mean, better than Saturday, but what does that even mean at this point? I mean, let's, let's, let's get this one going. <sighs> I'm not gonna be like, the cheery like, one on this podcast. I'm like, I, I don't, I can't fake. Didn't it I say we were gonna try and keep things as positive as well, we you're can? You're gonna though. try, and Alan's try. always happy for some reason. So, you two can be the joyous youth, and I'm the grumpy old man. That. Yes, you're, that you're is the, me. Get you're off the my lawn already. grumpy old man of the podcast. At least for now, um, we'll get into a lot of this fun stuff. But before we do so, I gotta also welcome back uh, our other co-host here. Mr. Where's Waldo himself? That's Alan from San Diego. Alan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I have a dog that is aggressively cuddling me right now. So uh, that's happening. He found Waldo. uh, He did find Waldo. Uh, (laughs) I got the LAFC Seattle game on my phone. Uh, So while one thing, there's still soccer to be watched. uh, So at least there's a glimmer of goodness. Uh, especially after this past weekend's uh, Premier League match. <laughs> How dare we try and compete with LAFC, but we're going to try and do that for you this evening. I know there's some of you that could care less about that, and some of you that love the other local soccer teams to our area. Oh, and if you didn't know, we're celebrating Halloween just a tad bit early, except for grumpy old man himself, Dylan, who uh, I don't know where Dylan went. I think he got really grumpy there for for a moment there. Oh, he's back. We were just talking about you, Dylan. Um, I can tell. We are just talking about how festive uh, Alan and I are. 
is our is something and how you're just such a grumpy dude over there not wanting to dress up don't even want to turn on your camera hey, even for this bro, final you know, I'm game dressed coverage. up as my favorite soccer player who's your favorite soccer player obviously it's Harry Forrester oh okay obviously so I'm clearly decked out in the full kit right now <laughs> Well, let's get into the fun of things, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Orange County Soccer Club season is a f- officially over, at least for the competitive start. Now becomes now we head into the fun part of uh, the season. Some people actually like this part a little bit more. It's where you get all the rumors, uh, the new signings, who's leaving, who's coming, who's this, that, whatever. Um, and yeah, but we got a, a match to talk about, and it's not going to be the funnest of matches to talk about. Uh, Orange County went up to or return to Salt Lake City uh, and uh, try to get revenge on a team that had just beaten us there a few weeks earlier uh, in the first round of the playoffs. Our very our, our Dylan was there uh, in the stands. You actually could hear and see him on the stream, which was pretty cool. I think he was like right behind the OC bench for a good part of that. Uh, and Dylan, first off, let me just say props for the noise you were making out there in the stadium, you know, with, with those, what was it like a hundred fans at the stadium or something? I think they claimed like two thousand. Let me. I've got it pulled up in front of me. Um, twenty-seven fifty. I think it was a little bit less than that. If we're being entirely honest, um, didn't know you could see me, but it's not a surprise based on where I was sitting. Um, also not a surprise you could hear me because I spent <laughs> probably, I don't know, ninety minutes of that match complaining loudly, as <laughs> as I like to do. So I mean, whatever. And I'm going to do this for those of you watching on the live stream, either on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, um, on our website, wherever you want to look. Um, I'm going to just put the highlights on courtesy of USL Championship Productions. You can see there a kickoff, um, a couple hundred people in the in the far stands there maybe. Uh, so not the most attended of the playoff matches. I, I, I do know Orange County pulled in better crowds last season when they were hosting playoff matches than what you could see there on the stream here. Didn't help that it was a day game. Uh, obviously, but let's talk about this match. Let's not just talk about the crowd uh, because it was a pretty disappointing match. Uh, you were there, Dylan. I'm going to give you first crack at what your thoughts were just briefly on the match before we dig deeper. Um, the only positive you could take from this match is the amount of work that Michael Seaton put in, I think. Um, and then the result he got. I mean, there's obviously other guys that worked really hard in this match. Um, Kevin Alston, Frederick Dew. Uh, Michael Roscoe, Walker Hume for 80 minutes of that match, or maybe 70 minutes of that match. Um, Joe Miko for the hour that he was on. Um, Aiden Quinn. Christian for the 45 he was on. Vinicius for the 45 he was on. Um, Danny Chrysostomo for the 45 minutes he was on. Did I say DJ already? I mean, honestly, even Ramos Godoy, basically, with the exception of two of our midfielders, everyone tried really hard and they kept working um geo was very receptive to to the bench and listening um and made run after run after run after run and nothing came of it of course but they were trying um that's the only real positive you can get out of that um refereeing was pretty bad um walker hume was pretty bad for the first 15 minutes and then he settled in and and then it was fine after that um he had a couple really big tackles towards the end of the game but I, I, I have to argue with a little bit. I, I think Walker Hume was pretty bad for more than just about 10, 15 minutes of the match. Okay. Uh, well, I, two of the goals are definitely his fault. I, I could argue three of them, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that as we talk a little bit more. Um, 
I don't know if you had the last thought you wanted to say there before I go over to uh, Waldo here to see what he has to say about the match. Um, that's probably beyond that. It's just frustrating. You want to see a good match in the playoffs. You want to see actually a contest, a 90 minute or 120 minute contest. Um, that's that's two teams at full strength going at each other and just no no I'm tr- I've been trying so hard not to swear no brain I, I no intelligence no we'll, we'll get into we'll get into some of that 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 means that you screw over ten of your teammates really actually there's more I mean let's see seventeen of your teammates if you can count the guys in the eighteen all the ones that are at home the fans that come out to see you. Your coaching staff, yeah. Your coaching staff, the people that have put in tons of time and effort and just We'll we'll talk about we'll talk about what you want to talk about there, Dylan. God. Pause really quick. Pause, pause. Because I want to get Alan's thoughts, (sighs) his general thoughts on the Bring us back up. Bring us back up. (laughs) There's more positives than what I've talked about. He's he's just drinking first. He's gotta He's gotta get that he's gotta get that liquid before he gets started. Yeah. Um, I listened to both uh, the USL show and Three Honest Lads take on this game, um, and their basic thought was that Seattle, or, uh, Real Monarchs, uh, even in the first half, looked like the much better team. Um, and with the scoreline the way it's six to two, you might take a look at that and have to agree. Uh, but we still managed eleven shots, four of them on target. We managed forty something percent. 45% possession, um, down even down a man. Um, I thought that the Monarchs had better play the first part of the first half, uh, but it really looked like Orange County was putting in a fight. A beautiful, beautiful goal by Orozco. Like, it's a striker's goal. Goal of the weekend? Goal of the weekend. Yeah, was, it was right. crazy. Um, so I, I thought there were a lot of positives going into halftime. Um, I was, you know, obviously a little bit um, – Disappointed by the scoreline, but hey, you're, you pull the goal back. You're only a goal down. Uh, um, Orange County, you know they fight to the end. Uh, and we saw that even down a man. I mean, Michael Seaton doesn't give up, gets a goal uh, right at the very end. I had a lot of hope going into that second half because uh, I, I did think they played better than they uh, did on the road uh, for most of the season, especially against a really, really good team. Um, and I, it was exactly what people thought it was going to be. It was going to be a hard fought. Uh, with Real kind of taking a little bit of the early uh, lead because they're a home team. That's what they should do, even in front of their fan. Um, so <laughs> it was. I like, I, thought, I like how you did that. Yeah, I thought the first half was, was was a pretty fair match, and I thought that you know Orange County, if they get the next goal and bring it back two two, it's anyone's game. And you know, weirder things have happened um, in a single elimination game. I mean, just look at how close Austin got to beating Phoenix, uh, and no one gave him a chance going into that game. Uh, so I felt good going off time. And then, you know, obviously Dylan's gonna, uh, is a little bit more fiery about this, uh, than I am. Um, I'm more like just disappointed and kind of upset that he single-handedly kind of took the chance away. Um, but that's what happens when you play a team game and you have a guy who kind of loses his head for a minute. Um, so, uh, I don't know if Dylan wants to dig more and kind of let uh, loose on his favorite does. player. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to sit back and get out of the way. So I don't get hit by f- friendly fire uh, and let Dylan uh, go at it. 
This is where um, we need a we need to get the uh, the gif of Michael Jackson eating some popcorn, getting ready. Right. Yeah. For, for everyone's curious. I'm sure everyone's <laughs> like, "Oh man, I want to listen in to hear what." So he be, has to be, say. before you say really quick, Dylan, let me just say this, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this too. Is for how poor of a start Harry Forrester had to the season, he had built up uh, and actually became one of the fan favorites towards the later part of the season with what he had had done with the club and with the team and in their, their run to the playoffs. And then in one glancing cleat to the face, he totally erased all that. Right. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Um, And I think I texted multiple people over the week on this, but I, at the beginning of the year, I reached out to Rangers fans and I said, what should we expect from him? And it was basically, he's going to be selfish. Um, They're, they're, one lasting thought of Harry Forrester as a Rangers player was that he sort of squared a ball to one of their teammates and they would have scored and won the Scottish cup. And he didn't, he tried to take it on himself. They didn't score and they lost. Um, and so I, the whole season I've had this mindset where I was not expecting a lot from him. Um, because of that, I didn't think he was going to fit into the team. And then that's what it was for five months. And then we get on this really good run and he gets into form and it's right as I start to think, okay, he's proved me wrong. He goes and does this. And Alan said, he's mostly disappointed. And that's what I am. I mean, that's what the other fans were. That's what his teammates were in him. Uh, I won't name names, but they were frustrated. Um, after it happened and frustrated. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Frederick too is extremely angry. Um, you can see it in the replay. He's like 40 yards out of his goal. Um, yelling at probably everyone, I think. But I just, I truly don't understand the amount of why would you throw away? I mean, he probably just threw away a contract, essentially. Or it was at the point where if he came into next year in that same sort of role and we retained a lot of the same players, which is what the club has said they want to do, then we probably get off to a really strong start. Mm-hmm. And and it's fair. Like the last two months of the season, he probably earned himself a contract again. And instead, you know, he probably, probably earned that club option, and he threw that away. Like I don't want to see him play for the team again because that was embarrassing and that was pathetic, and that was not what you want. I mean, he wore the captain's armband this year, once, one time too many, I think. But it's not the kind of player I want on the team, and it's not the selfishness. It's not the really slow start. And he's obviously a quality player. It's the losing your head thing. I mean, I got a lot of comments about chewing out Michael Roscoe after the RGB match for that. This is the, it's even dumber here. He's not even challenging for the ball. Why are you dragging your boot across someone's face? While you're on a yellow card too. I, that's, that's the thing is when you're on a yellow card, you, you don't do any stupid thing. I think I, I can't really tell watching the stream if it was a straight red that the ref gave him or if it was a second yellow and that's why he got the red. But I don't care if you're on a yellow, you do not do anything stupid that's going to give the ref a chance to boot you out of the, the match, which he, I guess, decided he wanted to do there. And, and again, he this was a guy that towards the end of the season, fans were starting to love. We have our Orange and Black Soccer Cast Awards that voting is still open until Thursday evening. Uh, and he's a, a nominee for a bunch of the categories. And uh, we were discussing this through text message a few days ago that he's a legit candidate for some of these awards where he's either in first or very close to first 
maybe a vote or two away from from winning some of these awards. And that's the thing that, that that's the thing that sort of sucks about this whole situation is, yeah, he got off to the crappy start. He sort of won over the fans with that late that late surge at the end of the season. And now basically, yeah, now basically every, I think almost every, I'm not going to say that I know what every single Orange County soccer club fan is thinking, but I can probably say with confidence that a majority of them no longer want to see him on the roster um, uh, going forward, or they see that as uh, the turning point. Because I think at that point when that happened, it was a 2-1 score. um, Yeah. I mean, four uh, minutes in the second half. Yeah. So go keep going, Dylan. I think if you're one of the players too, you know, um, okay, I'm not going to name names of the players that were voicing their frustrations as they came off at the end of the match um, and made their way into the tunnel after we'd finally officially lost. But I don't think they'd want to play with him anymore either. Um, you could probably find a player to to put up the stats that he did to cross balls. Um, you know, you could find someone probably for a lot less money than Forrester costs um, that's not going to lose their head in the biggest match of the season for no reason. Nothing premeditated that. And it it's just way... What a way to let down everyone for nothing. It was just so stupid. It was so <laughs> deflating and so emotionally draining. And I, I just... I don't know. Um, at the end of the match, I was waiting in the tunnel. I was interviewing a couple of players um, and just kind of hanging out as I waited um, to leave. And the players were on their way out to the bus. And um, uh, Harry walked by me first and, and didn't say, like, looked at me, didn't say anything. Aiden was right behind him. Uh, Aiden shook my hand and apologized. That's, you know. There's the difference the there. kind of player you want. Yeah. I mean, he's the vocal leader. That's the guy that you want is going to take ownership of it, even when it really wasn't his fault. So I don't know. Saturday was emotionally draining and that red card really caps it off. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it does suck for uh, the people like you. I think there was a few other Orange County fans that made the trip out there. So it wasn't cheap. It wasn't easy for Orange County fans to get to Salt Lake City, say, as it was maybe to get to a, a Phoenix even or a Vegas or even a Sacramento, really, when you think about it. So the fact that you have fans making that trip up there uh, – it's just that more of a, a letdown um, in that situation. I, w- I want to go to you really quick, Alan, if, see if you yep. have anything else you want to throw on with this this Harry Forrester situation in the match. Um, do you do you feel what Dylan's saying there, or uh, is Dylan a little over angry? I guess we'll say. No, I mean, I, I think when you look at this call, it's the same kind of situation with the Rosco decision. Um, you you might accept like, accept or expect this kind of brash decision from a kid. Um, but you've been working since like February, March to put yourself in a position to make the playoffs and to make a good run. And you've been playing lights out. They've been one of the hottest teams in the last 10 matches in the Western Conference. So you have a really good chance to make a run. And you in like a brief instant, you throw it all away and not just for you, but for your teammates. Um, and, and that's what I feel like the most, uh, uh, like just disappointment. It's like the, I, you see these guys out on the pitch hustling and giving it their all. And I mean, you've even seen Forster give it his all, um, on the pitch and just to kind of 
that's the last taste of your mouth for this whole season. The six to two, uh, it's it's not going to feel great in the off season, um, and it's not a great way to end the season. Like if you leave it all out there and you you get beat and it's you know two to one, three to one at the end, and you know you gave it your all. That's all you can hope for, and you you root for those guys and you feel good when they uh, win. You feel bad when they lose. At least they leave it all on the pitch. Um, and that just wasn't the case. And, and I, I feel, I know that Aiden said sorry to, to Dylan and probably uh, because of that, you know, Quinn said sorry to, you know, the entire fan base, but I also feel like I should say sorry to the, the, the team. Like I know how hard they've worked um, and they really, really worked hard the past, you know, 10 games to, to come together and put together a great team. It was fun to watch. They reminded me a lot of Orange County last season. So I, I just feel bad for them as well um, that we can't end the season the way they, they wanted to or should do. Yeah, all those guys that worked hard. I mean, that's who I feel the most, right? You spend seven months and it, that's who really gets screwed over there. I, I feel so bad for them. Yeah, because you, be you can be a fan for your entire lifetime. You can't be a player on that pitch. That long. And, like, and, and let me let me just say this. I mean, I, I'm not going to say that we are buddy buddies with any of the players on the squad, but we've interacted with enough of the players on this team. Um, and we know there are quite a few of the players on this roster that really do care what they what they what performance they put out on the field, how they represent the club, how they represent the fans. And you could sh- you could tell that some of these players have true love for the fans. Um, we, we've seen that. I mean, uh, I'll name off just a couple of names just based off the interactions I've had, you know, people like a Darwin Jones, people, uh, someone like, a um, a Michael Seaton, uh, an Aiden Quinn, uh, a Joe Amico. These are players that, uh, you know, I'll go back to last season when Phoenix knocked us out of, of the, the playoffs in the Western conference finals. These are players that were sitting there on the pitch, watching the Phoenix fans celebrate, watching the Phoenix fans or the Phoenix players celebrate and you could see in their eyes, you could hear it in the tone of their voice that they truly were disappointed. And they, they truly felt like they let down their, their fans there at championship soccer stadium. We spoke to many of them. I know Dylan was there. Uh, we spoke to many of those players after that match. So we got to hear firsthand uh, the love they have for the fans, for the team. So again, a player like a Harry Forrester who comes in and, and, you know, I'm not saying he's the sole reason why we lost this match. That, that That's definitely not true, but he's a huge piece to why we lost because at the point it was only 2-1. We had scored that amazing scissor kick from Michael Orozco to get that goal back. And with with a full 11 out there, it, it could be a whole different story in the match. Maybe we still end up losing the match 2-1, 3-2 or something like that. But at least at that point you know you 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 gave it your all you know that every single player on the pitch left their left their heart out there uh like some of those other players but with what happened it just sort of threw the whole uh match out i think right before that happened too is when um brayden cludier made a, a double substitution i think daniel chrysostomo and uh, darwin jones came on i, I believe it right before that happened so it's one of those situations too, like you just wasted two out of three or not wasted, but you just used two out of three of your substitution opportunities. And then Forrester pulls this, this, this silliness. And now you're sort of stuck. Do you make that third substitution and hope no one gets injured or, or something happens later on, or do you roll the dice and keep what you just put out there? Um, which I think he was hoping for some sort of offensive firepower at that point when he made those changes and it just didn't work out. 
um, on there. I don't want to dwell on Harry Forrester this whole episode. I'm sure we could if we really wanted to. Uh, I'm going to give each of you, Dylan, I'll go with you first. Do you have any last thoughts on this or do you want to move on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I said it earlier, and I just said it in the chat, but you know, you, you could have given this shot to Kevin Coleman. You could have given it to Giovanni Ramos-Godoy. Vinicius, you could have put in that spot. You could have put any number of our players. Connor Gordon in that spot. Any number of our players you could have put there. And they would have put up those stats all season long. And they wouldn't have done that. I can guarantee you that none of those guys would have done that. And I've seen Vinicius Cohen with some crazy challenges this year. But, but at least it's play on the ball. At least it's like within the. He's, he's the, going for the ball. He's it's not within the game. The yeah. Team. And so, yeah. Um, hopefully, I never see this happen again. Um, I'm still Alan so drained and- by it, man. <laughs> oh my god. Alan, anything from you on this last last word, or do you want to just move on? Let's move on. Okay. Uh, really quick before we move on, I know I said that, but I'm just going to ask you just a quick yes or no. Um, Dylan, do you want to see, or would you would you be okay if you saw Harry Forrester on the roster next season? No. Alan? No. Okay. And, I, and I'm going to just do the sweep there. I, I, I feel like there's many other players of either his quality or even slightly below his quality that I'd rather see in, uh, on the roster or – some of those names that Dylan even called out there that I'd feel maybe put them out there and, and see what they have. So uh, let's talk about the rest of this match. One other player that didn't have the most shining moment of his career. Um, I know Dylan said responsible for two of the goals that we gave up. I, I, I think it's more like three uh, and everyone knows. I love the guy. He's been one of my favorites on this team. Uh, there was sort of this joke last season that that was, you know, that I was secretly in love with Walker Hume, but um Man, poor Walker Hume. He just had a. He didn't have the greatest of games out there in uh in Utah. I'm gonna go to you first, Alan. Um, do you, what do you think happened there? Uh, it just looked like you got a little nervy. Uh, you know, you you get out there and you you start to second guess yourself. You try to do two things at once, and you just don't. It doesn't come off. Uh, Walker Hume's always great at like face up defending. Um most of his mistakes have come in kind of the open play where he's trying to play a ball over the top or he's trying to kick a ball clear that's coming at him when he's straight up defending, like he's a, a, a really solid defender has made some amazing tackles, amazing uh, stops um, and has proved me wrong a few times. Uh, but there's have been a couple times this season where, you know, he, he just isn't quite in the run uh, a bit slow. Um, to get back to a ball uh, just doesn't put himself in a great position to be a good defender uh, and it kind of bites him. And, you know, if Walker Hume uh, was a little bit better at that, he would not be in the USL. He would be at a different level because he's a big, good defender. Uh, He's done a lot of decent work on the offensive side as well. Like some of those heads across the box are really smart. Um, And, you know, maybe it doesn't show up on the score sheet, but it's like the pass that leads to the pass that leads to the goal. Um, so I don't want to knock Walker too much because I did that a lot earlier in the season. Um, it's just, uh, it's tough to give up a goal like that. But ultimately, you know, you still had chi- a chance to pick him up. And the, the team was looking like they were going to do that. Like a guy makes a mistake and you got to, you got to keep moving. And I think that's, that's what they did. Uh, when you're down a man, I don't know if you can really fault a guy a whole lot for 
for not playing as well uh, when you don't quite have that midfield support because you lose that midfielder. Um, you know, guys are moving around and, and it's not their typical three in front of you that you're used to communicating to. Um, I mean, he's good for a mistake every once in a while. It was just unfortunate that it was um, in the final or uh, in the final game. Uh, well, so, and, let, and let me just, you know, talk about it. Cause you mentioned, you know, he's sometimes he isn't quick enough to get back. It's not that he doesn't, it's not that he doesn't have the heart or the desire. It's just right. physically, he's not quick enough. If he gets beat, he doesn't have pace. Everyone, I think, uh, every Orange County fan knows that. I think almost anyone across the league probably knows that he's not the quickest player out there. He's probably one of the slower players in the league. Um, he usually does pretty good with his positioning to help uh, combat that disadvantage that he has. It's just unfortunately this 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 match. I know there was one play where it was like a, a header that he sort of just misplayed. I guess he just. I I, I want to think he was thinking of heading it back to uh, Frederick Dew. Um, decided the last minute, maybe it's not the greatest opportunity because there was a defender right near him. So tried to head it to himself or something. Didn't quite work out. That led to one of the goals. I have no idea what he was thinking on the goal where he cleared the ball right back to the um, the Real Monarchs player right by the goal and sort of let Frederick do down there. That's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, uh, let me ask you, Dylan, while we're talking about uh, Walker Hume, uh, when Coach Brady Kuliday made his final move of the match, he actually took out Joe Amico um, instead of uh, Walker Hume. Do you think in that situation with the type of match Walker Hume was having, do you think maybe it would have been a better opportunity to take him out um, and roll the dice that way? I mean, ultimately, we're rolling the dice any either way or whichever way you go. But I, I think at that point, he wasn't having the greatest of match. Maybe you take him out. What do you think, Dylan? Um. I mean, I, I forgot about the goal that he just, I think, basically just cleared it right back to whoever was, whoever got the assist on Schmidt's goal. Um, I don't think you take him out because he is a center back. You do need that height in case you nab one back and it's 3-2. Um, and you need that massive guy in the box to try and knock those balls down like he did um, for our first goal. That 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 um, that dog agrees with me. He's mad at you, Dylan. Yeah, and additionally, um, you can't really pull him out the back. We didn't have a midfield to go with three defenders. You don't do a th three in the back with um, two fullbacks. It, basically, it's we need goals. It's the last game of the season. I mean. Yeah, we needed goals, and that was You're the thing. Is you, nice. you take off a guy, you put one that can play on either side. I mean, they can either Amico or Alston. Either of them can play on either side. Obviously, Alston's going to play naturally at the right back position because that's where he's been most in his career, and that's where he's natural, and he's arguably the better player. So you put Amico on the other side, and then you just push him off, essentially, have him switch over. Um. And and Geo can play as a right back if needed. Um, he did earlier this year. He can push forward as a winger on either side, as he has over the last two seasons. I mean, hell, he's he's dangerous in the box, even um, as a, as a nine or as a ten, really. So you're getting more versatility out of it. And I, I don't say you pull Geo off, or you you don't pull Walker off to put Geo on. Um, you're trying to I, do damage limitation at that point, and it just here here. Sucks. Here's my reasoning. Here's my reasoning behind this thought, Dylan. Is ultimately it's a winner go home situation. Walker Hume's not having the greatest match of his career. Um, 
I, I feel like he was getting a little nervous based off the pace that uh, Real Monarchs were were providing or the pressure they were putting on him with pace. So I get it. In in a regular situation, you don't go with maybe a back three of Kevin Alston, Orozco, Joe Miko. Um, you know, you're in a regular season match, you're going maybe for a point at least or something. But in this situation where it's a die or go home, it, uh, this is a moment, at least for me, where you just you go with a wild. Hopefully it works. If it doesn't, what's the difference? You're going to get eliminated anyways at this point. Well, then you throw um, them up top and you just play long balls. But we didn't have any midfielders. You could. And the whole thing is we're down a man. So they just yeah. sit around and they pass the ball between their back five and they wait for you to come and pull yourself out of position. And then they pull you to pieces. And that's again, what they that, did and they did it well. And that's why I think so you go we can with pull them off for anyone else. Well, that's why I think you go with the back three because then you have, have at least another... on anyway. I mean, but still, you 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 do what you 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 go crazy in this situation. You, you maybe try and oh, find no, something Harry that did. you wouldn't normally do. No, no, no. We, yeah, this is why we're in this situation <laughs> in the first place. I mean, yeah, so I mean, so. on the on the flip side is is I mean, is Walker Hume coming back next season? And do you kind of let him work through those those problems and kind of gain his confidence back? So the last thing he isn't thinking about is. Hey, I gave up a couple of terrible things, and then that I got pulled off early. I I think you just kind of you you roll with a defense that had been actually pretty good uh, for the run in. You know, people have bad games. I think you let him play through it at that point, especially at that point. Like, you know, the reality of of Orange County, it was going to be a tough game, eleven v eleven. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I I think you kind of leave him on. You let him kind of build that confidence back up and realize, you know, he's, he's a good defender and you're going to need two center backs. Uh, Cause you know, as, as crooked as that number, that six number is, I, I think playing three in the back, something unnatural. I don't think they're confident uh, and they're going to get torn to shreds and it's going to be, you know, even worse. I, uh, yeah, I totally, I, to I totally get what you guys are saying on that, but I, I think at the point he came out, it was like a three, one score. Um, I think you just need to, know that if you don't at least tie the score to go into penalty kicks or extra time penalty kicks, whatever uh, your season's over. So you, you have to come up with something crazy because as much as, and everyone knows I love Walker Hume. uh, I do hope he's back next season, uh, but in the situation that you're in, even he probably can admit he's not having his greatest game. He's just, you know, he's a little bit off Uh, nothing against him. He's been one of our best, most consistent players all season. But in that situation, you need to try and figure out who is the one, who are the players that are clicking for us uh, on the pitch, and what can we do to somehow still or, or magically create a goal in this. And again, that's why I just say maybe you go with a, a weird back three that you would never do in the regular season uh, just to try and get something out of it and potentially pull out the miracle. Um, by keeping him in there, you, you do still have some opportunities on some set pieces to get something. But I, I, I think most of us can agree. He hasn't always been this like superb uh, player offset pieces to get the ball into the net. So again, nothing against Walker Hume. I know it's sort of this out there, crazy wild um, suggestion of what maybe could have been happening there. Uh, but this just, this is just something that I was thinking of is, is it's a, it's a, Win or go home type of situation. You just got to maybe do something weird or do something crazy. And Dylan, I know you'll say, yeah, we already did the weird and crazy with Harry Forster, but this is a totally different thing. Um, 
let's let, let's let's maybe talk about the biggest bright side of the of the of the whole match, which would have been the probably I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't watch any of the really any of the other matches around the league, but I can safely say more than likely Michael Orozco's goal is probably the goal of the week for the playoffs there in the first round. Um, if you didn't get to watch it, a scissor kick um, that he just sort of drilled right into the goal. I mean, there's nothing. I don't think any goalie in the world could have stopped that type of kick. Um, no, power again, placement on that was perfect. So acrobatic, at, too. You don't expect that from a center back. A center back, yes. goes for it. And I was like, "There's this is, as he's going up, I'm like, no, nah, not happening. He's going to send and this thing out for a throw in. At that point, it's a, it makes it a 2-1 score, so there's still this excitement that Orange County can can fight back, come back, maybe even pull out the victory. Uh, Dylan, you were in the stadium. What was When you saw that, did you actually see what happened, or is it something you didn't really realize what happened until you saw it on the replay? No, I, I could see it um, from where we were at. Um, it was almost perfect. Um, a little bit behind where the camera was that picked up, um, but I see that ball get headed down across, and then... I see it's high up and I see him jump to try and get his foot up to it to get the power there. And I was, again, I was just thinking, he's going to send this out for a throw and there's no way this is going anywhere near it. And he got, seriously, he got all of it. Um, no one's stopping it with that much power. Not that placement either. Beautiful goal. Um, Nico Brett had a couple good ones in his four goals for the Riverhounds this weekend, but I don't think anyone's going to come close. That's got to be probably one of the goals of the playoffs in terms of um, difficulty, technique, and, and finish. Just, wow. That was, yeah, that was definitely <laughs> one of the highlights of the game. The two goals that we put in were actually well worked. Yeah, definitely. Let me ask you, Alan, uh, if I gave you basically 100 opportunities to make <laughs> that goal from Michael Orozco, how many would you be able to uh, to pull off with that type of power and that type of accuracy? Do I get a trampoline and uh, <laughs> do I get a couple spotters <laughs> so I don't hurt myself on the very first try? Um, yeah, you, uh, you go. Or, <laughs> that's all you're getting. How many do you make, I mean, Alan? Zero, like zero, like less than zero. I, I don't even think I like kick the ball like 98 <laughs> times out of 100. Like I don't even make contact. Um, I, I, wait, can I say this out? I love how you do right away when I started asking that question, what was happening? Because your laugh was just perfect for that. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. I I'm, I was surprised the net was even able to hold up. That ball was struck so hard. And like, it was perfect. Like just, at, and I watched the replay a couple times. So I was watching on my phone. So it's hard to tell who's who on a phone. Everyone's so tiny. Um, and I was like, what what offense what like what midfielder what because it wasn't um you know it wasn't Seton wasn't DJ so I was like what midfielder was that I mean I don't I start going through my brain about who that could have been and I'm like no no Duke and then I was like no that was Orozco and I like immediately like tap my friend uh next to me who uh follows sports the sportsing events and I was like, dude, this is a center back scoring this. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's a center back. Like center backs aren't meant to do that. Center backs are meant to do these like powerful headers uh, on set pieces. Uh, they're not meant to fling their feet through the air and beautifully strike a ball into the back of the net. Like 
we talk about leaving bad tastes in your mouth at the end of the season. Like that goal is kind of that, like that, that one sparkling redeeming moment, the silver lining in the cloud that you can kind of those, I mean, even the Seton goal, like those two moments, like you can, you can walk away as an orange County fan going, yeah, that was, you know, most of it was bad, but those two glimmering moments were some, some pretty memorable soccer uh, that you can kind of replay and skip all the other stuff, but replay those moments um, in your brain. Didn't feel good. Can can I say this really quick? I'm just looking at um, uh, our comments on the YouTube stream here. For those of you that don't know, if you're listening on the podcast, we do do a live stream as we're recording this. Uh, That's why whenever you listen to this on the podcast, there's no editing. There's no like cutting things off. If there's weird noises or, glitches or something we just go live uh andy who listens to us quite a bit he actually commented on the youtube stream uh when i asked that question to you alan he said he could do one maybe and then that he would break a hip at that point so didn't he have um, knee surgery like a couple years ago who not a good idea (laughs) i wouldn't even do that even if i even if uh what it was like, you know, like a basketball games, you know, you do the, the million dollar half court shot. If like Orange County decided they're going to do uh, the million dollar million dollar scissor kick for a goal, would you you wouldn't do it, Dylan, is what you're saying. Why the hell aren't we spending that money on players? <laughs> well, I mean, you never know. How many how, I don't think Chick-fil-A Woodbridge has enough money to be <laughs> dumping a million dollars into a, a shot like I, that. I love that it's like one Chick-fil-A that sponsors us. It's not like Chick-fil-A everywhere. It's Chick-fil-A Woodbridge uh, that is... Uh, the, they probably owe us money now. Anyway, um, I think Michael <laughs> Rosco is always going to say that his goal for the U.S. at Estadio Azteca is going to be like the goal of his career and, and the best goal he ever scored. But I think he's wrong. <laughs> and it's pretty obviously this scissor kick because they don't get much better or more beautiful than that. And then does it does it make you want to see him back in the uniform next season? I mean, just like we said with the the whole thing with Harry Forrester, it makes us not want to sort of see him back. Uh, I I look at that and I'm like, yeah, bring him back for a full season. That'd be freaking. Oh, amazing. I've kind of been in that camp. Um, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to come home. This presents a good opportunity for him to kind of close out his career. He's still obviously physically capable to play this level for, I don't know, a year or two more easily. Um, and it seems like all the young players have had really good things to say about him, regardless of their position, whether it's what they should be doing on the field or what they should be doing off the field to to be professionals and how to be a professional footballer. Um, so, yeah, I would love if he stuck around. I, you know, this goal doesn't change anything for me. I've, I've been in that camp. Perfect. Um, what else do we talk about this this match uh, before, I guess, we we move on? to the uh the other stuff we want to talk about this evening. i mean let's um alan mentioned it but michael seaton scoring that that goal an extra time um fighting till the end the man's never given up right and he got i'll be pretty like he got no service for five months this season and he still scored 13 goals amazing um, I don't know what Caleb Porter didn't see in him when he was with the Timbers. Uh, I, I truly don't understand how he hasn't even gotten a look from an MLS team after the end of last season. He has to get one now, right? 
I mean, he truly no, never gives up. we out. want him here and still. We, I, nothing against I, I know if he gets <laughs> opportunity, great. But I'm going to be selfish. I want him back. He he has been one of – I'm going to just sort of guess still. He's been one of our favorite players uh, as far as just the willing – he's been always willing to talk to us after matches. Um, he's always he's been always a great honest. guy when we talk to him. Yes, yeah, and he That's is. That's the thing he's, is he yes. is always himself, and I have so much respect for that, that he is always open with me about what he thinks about the game or his own play, or what he expects of his teammates. Um, and, I mean, he never gives up, and I have even more respect for that. And same thing with DJ, where they kept trying, and they kept trying, and how many games did we win this year because Mike and DJ were on the score sheet, or Mike and DJ got assists. They both had very impressive years for what's going to go down as an underwhelming year for how the team performed. Um, and I just... I they deserve a lot of credit for that um for never giving up i mean especially in a a blowout game like this that last goal i mean was finally something to cheer about at the stadium um <laughs> and and hopefully you know hopefully we get I'm to see more of it person, oh, yeah and hopefully i'm not the only person realizing that these two have never gave up this year and maybe maybe a, a scout somewhere for a first division side is going to see that and hopefully he gets a call because he's way too good for the usl i mean he's not envelton level of like european quality but, but he's, he's still young he's still a young player too which is he's young which... he's got time to develop into his prime and you know he's gonna work to get there so but I mean, God, again, I'm just so emotionally drained by this. Like all <laughs> these things where I was just like, wow, this whole situation sucks. And I just feel bad for our players because guys like that, that try week in week out, those are the guys that get the stats, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm so immensely proud of those guys that, that tried. But by, by all means, I mean, I, again, like Dylan says, hopefully he gets an opportunity. If it doesn't work out, I mean, I'd love to see him back in Orange County, you know, orange, black, and and white jersey next year. Uh, his mom's been someone that's really like supported us, listened to us, follow us, following us on social media. Um, so he, he's just, the club all-time record goal scorer. Yes, yes. I mean, again, don't want to hold him back from it. greatness if if a bigger, better opportunity comes. But if it doesn't, I, I hope. I hope. Uh, club management ownership really sees how much a player like him or even like DJ mean to the fans. Because uh, again, this is a guy that when Dylan and I were first starting this last year, he was more than willing to talk to us after every match, win or lose. He was willing to come up and let us know what was happening. He was honest. He was a good guy. Um, so, you know, mad respect, mad props for him. Again, hopefully, if it doesn't work out at the next level uh, and he doesn't get opportunities, he's back. Alan, um, I know Dylan and I are just going on a you know a, <laughs> a, love, uh, fest. a, a love fest for Michael Seaton here and, and players and well, like him around the club. What are your thoughts? And well, and well deserved. Um, you know, you, you you watch these players that walk off the field, walk back off the field, the way they interact with the fans. Um, there, there's something special about players like Michael Seaton who seem to get it in a global sense, not just on the pitch. Um, it would be a shame for him not to get a look because uh, I, I, I do think his work rate is really great. Um, 
I think that um, any team would be lucky to have a player like Seton. His hold-up play is great. He's willing to, you know, he's a striker uh, that's willing to come back and accept the ball um, kind of outside the final third to hold up, to pitch it off to somebody and then head into the box. Um, he's really good in the air. Um, you know, a couple of these headers go, you know, a couple inches other way. We're looking at, you know, 15, 16 goals scored this season. And, and some of that is, you know, just the luck of the draw. Um, some of it is, you know, he's going to continue to develop as a player, uh, get better positioning, uh, get better understanding of where, how his, his headers work. Uh, but he was so strong in the air, so strong in the box, uh, and, and pretty unselfish for a striker to get, um, you know, five assists. Um, it, it speaks to his ability to also make sure his teammates are put in good positions to play well. Um, I was very impressed with him as a player, and like Dylan speaks to as a person as well. You're right. He, he was, you know, I was the new guy showing up, and he was always willing, you know, to chat with me. And even after a tough game uh, when a lot of people weren't uh, – you know, they put their head for, down and try and walk by you without, or just, um, you know, say, hey, hey, not tonight, you know, hey, yeah. not tonight. Like they were pretty respectful. They weren't ever like, uh, kind of putting anybody off. You can kind of tell it's like, Hey, you know, we didn't have a great game. I'm not willing to chat, but there was definitely some nights where things didn't go great. And, and Seton was able to come out, uh, you know, and sometimes off the record, um, just kind of be pretty frank and pretty, pretty, pretty blunt about what happened on the pitch. Um, and, he's the type of like guy you want in the field. Uh, he, he's a leader um, in that aspect that he holds himself to a higher standard than I think he holds his teammates to. Uh, he made some comments about, um, you know, elevating his play and making sure that there was, was somebody like on the set pieces getting beat near post. He was, you know, it's like, Hey, no one's going to beat me near, near post. No one's going to beat me the rest of the season near post. Like some guys are getting beat near post. Ain't going to be me. Um, and and he held up to it. Like I was watching the rest of the rest of the season to see if anyone was going to beat him to an ear post on a Sunday. He never piece. had to pay us out for it. Nope. <laughs> uh, so it, it's, it's one of those things where you start noticing uh, some of those, those detail things that, you know, the set piece defending got better because, you know, people like, and players like Michael Seaton said, we need to elevate our game and they elevated their game. They walk the walk and, you know, more than they talk the talk. And I have a lot of respect for folks like uh, Seaton um, that we're willing to do both of those things. Totally makes sense. Um, any last thoughts on this match? Because uh, I do want to move on. Uh, we're getting close to our hour limit. Uh, so I just want to ask any last things you want to say about the match. Uh, and then we'll just do some brief uh, other stuff to talk about before we end this episode. Nothing else. I mean, I, I have thanks to the, the coaching staff and, and guys like Pete for being so open and honest this year and after this game, but they obviously don't listen. So I'll just I'll end up sending them some gushy email or something. There you go. Um, let's do this. Let's um, get into some other soccer news uh, briefly. I wish we had more time to, to get on the subject, but we were definitely having a great time talking about, uh, well, not a great time, but a, a good discussion talking about the final match and some of these players that have played a big part of the season. Um, sad news from our friends up north we had uh chris lefty brown on here and also uh, ricky bravo on here a, a few episodes ago or a couple episodes ago um you know talking to them uh, you could tell it was a hard discussion to have 
uh, on this, but the Fresno news. Um, would you say you're shocked on this, Dylan? No, the writing's been on the wall for, what, almost a month and a half. Um, the players themselves said it was so difficult to focus on being on the pitch and, and the results on the pitch after this news came out. Um, it was a matter of time. We all kind of knew it was going to happen. Uh, maybe there's some hope that they play in Monterey. Um, but that's still not in Fresno. And it just sucks. Um, you know, the for the players that are fringe players, um, players that aren't going to get another shot. Um, and it sucks for the, the, the office, uh, the front office, and all the staff that work for that team that might not get other shots elsewhere are going to have to wait. And then, of course, it sucks for the fans. What about you, Alan? What are your thoughts on this uh, briefly? Uh, I mean, living in San Diego, I know all, all about a, a team, you know, leaving and leaving a fan base behind that was pretty passionate. Um, like this predates the Foxes. Like they've had, you know, a soccer and supporters group uh, in different iterations. And I feel like it kind of got um, promised a bill of goods from an owner who didn't seem like maybe he was in it for the long haul. Um, and that sucks the fan base because they are in it for the long haul and they put their, um, their energy and their time and their money investing in this team. And it's heartbreaking. Um, it's definitely heartbreaking. Um, so, you know, you, you hope that people who are elected and people who buy into a sports franchise can work together uh, to kind of bring a positive thing to the city. Um, but clearly, you know, the, the, the people who were in charge of making the decisions uh, didn't get it done. And unfortunately that leaves the people who, a lot of people who don't get any voice in the matter are kind of stuck. Um, you do hope the players find a new place to play um, and, you know, you can wish them well and the fans um, hopefully find someplace else to invest that time and energy because they're really good dudes, good people on the podcasts. Um, and, you know, we just wish them well and, you know, hopefully that they find a place to land and continue to create good content. And I'll say this. I know we said this when, when Chris was on here with us a couple weeks ago, uh, open invitation. If any of the members of Fox Trot pod want to jump on and talk soccer with us uh, at, at, at any point through this off season into next season. Um, again, they're sort of a reason why we ended up joining BGN, uh, how we sort of learned a little bit. There was, there's these, these podcast uh, personalities, people that early on were willing to help us out. Chris was one of those. I, I think I want to say he jumped on with us even on one of our preview episodes, which is how soon he uh, sort of became part of our family here. So, you know, if they still want to talk soccer with us, um, by all means, I'm going to see if I can reach out to them over the next few weeks and see if we can maybe arrange for them to come on maybe, you know, a month or so down the road, just to sort of see how things are going, what the uh, the thoughts are going out there in Fresno, because definitely a sad situation on that. Um, unfortunately, we're sort of strapped for time, so we can't get too deep into that, but I'm sure it was something we'll talk about over the next uh, couple months here in the offseason. Uh, one other thing I want to do before we uh, sort of get to wrapping things up is uh, just quick predictions on the the remaining matches for the uh, playoffs here. So I'm going to just go quick again, quick, pick your winner. You don't even have to give any reasoning behind it. Just pick the team. Um, so we'll start off with the Phoenix real Monarchs match. Alan, uh, who's winning. Phoenix. <laughs> I love how you say that. Dylan, what about you? Phoenix. 
Uh, yep, Butterfly City is going to win that match. Uh, next up, Pittsburgh versus Louisville City. Allen. Uh, I, w- I hope it's Pittsburgh, but it's probably going to be Lou City. Dylan. Louisville ball for the win, Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm going to go, I uh, hate to say it, but Lou City uh, for the win in that match. Uh, next match to preview or, or predict Nashville and Indy. Allen. Uh, I'm going to go Nashville, but I don't feel good about it. <laughs> Dylan. I'm thinking Indy, but let's hope Nashville so that the Hume brothers can be happy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to say Indy. Uh, last match to preview or to predict El Paso, Sacramento, Allen. El Paso? Is that a question? Maybe. <laughs> Dylan. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso. Oh, we're not going to agree on anything but this Phoenix Phoenix match, huh? I'm going to have to go Sacramento on this one. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I was I was planning on maybe in this episode us sharing uh, maybe a favorite moment from the season, but we're sort of strapped for time here. So I, I, I do want to give you guys a rundown of what to expect because we're now hitting the offseason here, at least for Orange County. There is still playoff. Uh, soccer to talk about there's going to be a bunch of news coming out over the next few weeks uh, regarding teams and stuff but here's what's going to happen for our podcast um, voting is still open again it's open until the end of the day uh, October 31st Halloween night uh, for the second annual Orange and Black Soccer Cast Awards so if you haven't got your vote in feel free to uh, do so go in there and get your vote in what we're going to do starting next episode next week we will start announcing the winners. Uh, we're going to split it like we did last season into two episodes. So that way we can announce the winners and we can all get a chance to discuss our thoughts uh, if we agree on the winner and, and all that fun stuff. So we will do that. Uh, we will also get into our uh, player grades for the season after that. And uh, we'll probably sprinkle in there at some point, like I was talking about, some of our favorite moments throughout the season. Uh, if you don't follow us on social media, Uh, We did put out a message out. If anyone wants to do a quick write-up about just sort of something that was great this season, their favorite moment of the season, it could be a paragraph, it could be a short novel, whatever you want to do, feel free to do so. Just go to your computer, jot something up for like 10 minutes, send it to us. Um, We'll we'll review it. We'll edit it. We'll make sure there's no grammatical or uh, spelling errors or anything as best as we can because – you know, this is all a hobby for all of us here at the Orange Black Soccer Cast. But, you know, share your thoughts. We'll, we'll put it up on our website to let other fans hear what your favorite moment was and, and get conversation going on that. Um, it is the off season, but we're planning on still going strong like we did last year. We will probably take a short break once we hit, uh, uh, you know, the end of December, early January. And then once you come back into January, then we get to talk about what's happening for the next season. So just so you know on all of that. So. Yeah, no more soccer on the field for Orange County fans, but there's still a lot of stuff for us to talk about here on the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we hope you will continue to listen and join us on our live streams. We do our live streams every Tuesday evening at 8.30 p.m., um, and that is that can be found on our YouTube channel, on our Facebook page, on our Twitter uh, or Periscope account, and also on our website. You can just go live.ocscpodcast.com and find it right there. Um, gentlemen, any other brief soccer news you want to talk about before we get into our random thoughts of the evening? We are Liverpool. You guys don't have anything to say. I don't, I don't hear anything. 
Dylan? No? Dude, the yeah. world of soccer died on Saturday at like 3 p.m. Mountain Standard. What? I'm going to need like a solid month before I am itching for soccer again, I think. Well, you got to so be no, ready no for soccer. our awards next. Our awards next season, you got to be ready for it. Or next year. No, not next, next, next week. week. Next week. Damn. I can't get it right. You've had too much to drink. I've had two beers. Um, let's do this in random thought time. Uh, Alan, we'll start with you. My random thought is um, watch where you're walking because you might accidentally kick someone in the face. <laughs> I wish I had one of those, you know, drum sounds and a brunch. Uh, look, he's even fixing his hat because he knows he did something really fun there. <laughs> Dylan, what about you? Um, I just, I'm going to reach out to our fan base. Can you tweet at us or me? And is it okay to cry after a soccer game? Um, my other random thought is always uh, some literature recommendation. It's another poem. Um, with the death of our season and with the death of Fresno FC and its current iteration. Uh, and why not Lansing Unite? Um, this poem is called Morning. It's by Carolyn Forche, um, who is or was, I'm not sure of her current employment status, a professor at Chapman University in Orange. Um, but that's Morning as in M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. Carolyn Forche, F O R. C H E Exemplary, which is the one that goes up from left to right. If you're curious, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'm sad that the season's yeah. over. Random thought sad that the season's over. I actually had a really horrible sports weekend. Um, Orange County lost, uh, the Clippers lost in Phoenix. Um, a soccer team that I cheer for in England didn't have a great game. Um, but luckily, <laughs> luckily, my San Francisco 49ers at least ended the weekend on a bright note for, for me. For those of you that don't watch the NFL, they like slaughtered the Carolina Panthers. Uh, they are now sitting, what, seven or eight, no, and, and you know, top in the NFC. So I'm wondering, do I need to start buying my Super Bowl tickets at this point to go watch them uh, as they go win title number six. We'll see as we get closer to that. Um, for those of you that don't like NFL, I'm sorry that uh, I had to bring that up and um, hopefully you'll still come back next episode. Uh, that's going to wrap up everything on here. I want to thank all of our listeners, all of the people that join us on our live streams each and every week. Uh, for those of you that have been listening and watching and whatever since week one, episode one, Thank you so much. You're the reason we keep doing this because we have people like you that are willing to listen to our voices and what we have to say about soccer. If you're listening to us to, for the very first time or maybe you've only listened to us for a few episodes, feel free to go back. Go to our website, orangeandblacksoccercast.com, ocscpodcast.com for an even shorter uh, trip there. And you can listen to any of our episodes there. You can also read what Dylan, Allen, and sometimes I have to say on that website uh, Alan, social media, where can our people follow you if they want to follow you? A Underwood 48 on the Twitter machines. Dylan. You can find me on Twitter at OCSE underscore Dylan or on Reddit slash you slash OCSE underscore Dylan. Perfect. Look for me on Twitter at DJ Ray Samora. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at OCSE underscore soccer cast. Look for us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. Um, 
Twitch. We have a Twitch channel now. Um, so if you want to watch us on Twitch for whatever reason, uh, or if you jump on there thinking this is a game, sorry, this is not, this is a podcast, but thank you for watching and, and, and listening to us and all the whatnot. Um, Alan's got one of his dogs there joining on the episode. I swear he's got I mean, two dogs. He's got two dogs. I'm going to bring my dogs down here one time. They hate being in, in my yeah. studio. <laughs> um, again, a thank dog you. podcast now. <laughs> thank you for watching and listening to our podcast um, for Dylan, for Alan, for the uh, two dogs. What are their dog? Uh, the names, Alan? Jasper is the white one. Brew is the new one. It's brown. So on behalf of Dylan, Alan, Jasper, Brew, I am Ray. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. to our sponsor, Gruffneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and U.S. Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.